Joining us for further analysis on what's playing itself out on that market scene is Mohammed Wagley from Sassman Wealth. Mohammed, always a pleasure and a good afternoon to you. Good afternoon to yourself, Nolit Sander, and to your viewers out there. Thanks for having me. Keep to get your thoughts on what we're seeing today. It looks like it's uh, generally green screens all around. Uh, the RAND also <laughs> showing some form of strength. I'm wondering if that's not more dollar weakness than a RAND strength. Yeah, I, I would very much agree with that. I think just briefly, what we're seeing today is really a follow-on from yesterday, where it was pretty much green across the board as well. Love to see that. Um, in fact, I had done something similar on Friday, and I had pointed out that of the last 10 working days, only two of them uh, were in the green. So it's great to start the week off with, you know, two good days. Uh, pretty much across the board, I did see, and you mentioned earlier, it looks like we're seeing some slight pressure on the resources, specifically with the precious metals and mining. Uh, but other than that, look really good to see that we're in the green. Hopefully this continues. It's been a tough October. Just to put those numbers into context, we're actually down about 3.5% this month, even with today's and yesterday's gain. So long may it continue. I mean, it is one of those um, phenomenons we see often, right, red October. Did we see that also filter through into a global markets, or was this something that we saw on the JSE? No, I, I would say that we weren't really insulated here. It was very much a global thing. And they're, they're really global. Like you mentioned Red October, but in addition to that, there are global factors playing a part here. Um, you know, without thinking too hard, um, the war in uh, the Middle East between Israel and Hamas, which flared up at the start of this month, uh, served to put quite a bit of pressure on oil. And that also had, you know, various different knock-on effects, you know. And I think what, what we're seeing right now is uncertainty and sort of risk-off sentiment prevailing in the market. You know, we're waiting sort of a catalyst for good news. And, you know, on that note, we, we, we should we should get sort of some market moving information a little bit later tomorrow. I think tomorrow is going to be a bit of a big one for us. Are you anticipating anything from the U.S. Fed? Uh, well, nothing different. Uh, and I think that expectation is pretty much shared by everyone. But it's uh, I think really what we're looking for is a bit of a gauge uh, in terms of the outlook on how how much longer these high rates are going to last. As you know, higher for longer is really the prevailing narrative right now. So getting a bit of an indication as to when in 2024 we'll start looking at rate cuts, I think is going to be very material. Um, but yeah, uh, to answer your question, I'm not expecting any surprises. Keen Famous get, last words. Yeah, <laughs> I'm keen to get into some company news with you. I want to start with Woolworths. Uh, exciting to hear of an acquisition here. Of course, the last acquisition did not go uh, so well, Mohammed. But of course, we've pulled back there with David Jones. And now we're going into the pet uh, industry. Very interesting one. I'm not a pet person, uh, but I'm keen to get your thoughts on, uh, you know, this sector. It looks like Woolworths is quite bullish on it. So, so, look, I'll confess, I'm not actually a pet person either. But, you know, the trend is that most people are, especially in today's day and age. And what we're seeing is that people are spending a lot more on their pets, you know, so sort of pet medication and things like that has become a lot more pervasive. What we're seeing is that millennials are spending a lot more money on their pets and they tend to be sort of having fewer kids, you know. So this is definitely sort of an industry that is, you know, worth having a look at, worth, you know, meriting an investment. Um, but I suppose it's one of those things where we'll just wait and watch. You mentioned the David Jones one. Um, I think a lot of people are a bit skeptical, but that was one which I, I thought a lot on paper looked a lot better than it actually sort of panned out. Um, just the retail space is just a, a really difficult one to call right now. I think we're seeing a lot of softness there. So we're hoping, I suppose Willie's is hoping as well, that this can alleviate some pressure there, perhaps probably more in the medium term. But from my view, I, I like the space, i got to say. 
King Tosagisha thoughts on AB in Bev and that share buyback. I mean, I've seen as shareholders rewarding them for that. That debt mm. isn't quite uh, where I would say it should be. But of course, it's all relative. Uh, Mohammed, uh, what are your thoughts uh, here, especially with that uh, debt balance sitting on their balance sheet? Yeah, so I, I must say, I think you covered it really well. Uh, it's like uh, all, all of the notes that I had taken today were very succinctly covered by you earlier. I think um, the first thing I'll note, and I think needless to say, the markets, markets love this. They're trying to clean up their debt. You know, they, they've got loads of debt on the balance sheet, as you correctly point, pointed out, that's basically due to the spate of acquisitions that they've done, not just in recent times, but sort of over the past few years as well. Um, and, you know, the market loves to see that, you know, in addition to that, though, and I, I think this, there, were, there were a couple of interesting points that I should note on AB in InBev. The one was that we actually saw volumes decline a little bit, revenues increased, but that's not because people have been drinking more, they've actually been drinking less. The, it's just that the price of the alcohol has increased, you know, and that sort of served to offset the loss in volumes that we did see. And the other person point that I'll note is that there's been uh, a loss in the Q3 numbers for America and that I think is relatively uh, important because it was a, a sort of a big news item over the course of sort of the last few months and that was basically them losing 13.5% has been underpinned by the declining volumes in Bud Light. Now, that was sort of, I wouldn't say the premier, but the most consumed beer in the U.S., but they lost quite a bit of market share after loads of conservative backlash over the social media campaign that the company ran with Dylan Mulvaney, who was a transgender influencer. Now, um, conservatives really didn't like that, and there were loads of videos on social media about people emptying out their cans of beer and things like that. And so, sort of, uh, in response to that, the company kind of went in the complete opposite direction. They were a lot more sort of macho in terms of their social media content. But thus far, I've got to say, I don't think um, that's helped too much. So, yeah, there was quite a bit to like here. The share is actually up 3% today, which you mentioned. Um, but a few things that I would say are sort of points of somewhat concern, let's say, if you can call it that. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, all in all, good stuff. Let's talk about Renegade now. A uh, very controversial one as well. Hasn't had a good time it's on social media. And I'm wondering if that's played itself out at all in the share price. But also when we hear of this widening loss and them still, uh, you know, insisting that they will still list on the Nasdaq. What do you make of this whole uh, picture, Mohammed? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I think you actually hit the nail on the head when you mentioned it a little bit earlier. I've seen ample um, companies make reference to the same things. You mentioned greater borrowing costs, which we're seeing with the rising interest rates. And we mentioned, you mentioned the Forex losses as well. So I'm not too clued up on the NASDAQ mm. listing, so I won't really speak to that. But those two points, the greater borrowing costs and the Forex losses, we're seeing it pretty much across all the companies that have some sort of foreign exposure here in, um, on the JSE. And that's been very pervasive. So what I will say just on that specific point, Point, is that those sort of the malaise that we're seeing from those two points are not unique to Renogen. You know, this is something that we're seeing pretty much across the board. And, you know, until we see sort of catalysts help us out there, I think we'll probably continue to see that at least for the foreseeable future going into 24. Now, Mohamed, I'm keen to get your stock pick in a bit. But first, uh, let's reflect on some counters that have found favor with your industry peers. So today my stock pick is Microsoft, which is one of the Magnificent Seven. Mm -hmm. It's up 37% year to date. And the reason I've chosen this one is because when Satya Nadella became CEO in 2014, he pivoted the company's focus onto cloud services. So now cloud services account for 41.5% of Microsoft's revenues. Um, and this strategy is clearly paid off. Um, because we saw from their latest company results that uh, they beat earnings expectations 
by 12.4% due to the strong cloud performance. And then Microsoft Azure has also seen um, a 29% year-on-year growth. So they're now outperforming even Google Cloud. Um, their search engine Bing is also consistently gaining market share uh, with the integration of generative AI and chatbot functions. It's helping to differentiate it from um, Google search. Um, so we're also seeing that since, well, the reason I've chosen it yeah. is because since Microsoft AI software tools in Azure are powered by Bing, mm. this means that as we see more growth in Azure, this will uh, fall, it fall over into Bing's growth as well, leading to higher advertising revenue. My stock pick is multi-choice. Um, it's a company that uh, hits a new fresh low today, so it has traded in, in one direction. I think the challenges are very well known that multi-choice is facing at the moment, a, a plethora of them. I mean, coming out of some of the load shedding impact and, and the consumer's uh, pressure that it's facing at the moment has clearly hurt the SA business uh, and its cash generation. You've got a narrow weakness uh, just to add to, to what is almost a perfect storm that the business is facing. So, I mean, we think it's going to be under pressure in terms of the earnings that it reports in a couple of weeks. But under the surface, there's still a very good cash generating business. There's north of 23 million subscribers uh, and a good footprint across Africa that's quite hard to replicate in terms of the distribution, its content, as, as, as well as its reach. So a base business that's probably at earnings low and a very low multiple now yeah. with, a, with the chance uh, of corporate activity given the stake that Vivendi's got in the business as well. We're just going with the bellwether Anglo-American. I think what we saw is uh, quite a significant sell-off of some of these diversified miners, uh, most recently with the sort of conflict in the Middle East. Uh, but more generally, obviously, as China slows down and uh, concerns about a U.S. recession, it's got to sort of a trough and a low point in pounds around close to that 20 pound mark, which is uh, typically an attractive entry point. We think the long-term prospects are still good. They're all much better businesses, the global diversifieds, and obviously the continued greening of uh, the economy will drive uh, demand for copper, nickel, uh, and some of their base metals. So we think they're well positioned and it's a good entry point. All right, Palmer, keen to get your thoughts on some of those counters. We have Microsoft, MultiChoice, and Anglo-American. So I'll start with Microsoft because that's the one I like best. Um, long story short here is I could not agree more. I think um, the analyst you had actually painted a really good picture of sort of long-term projects coming to fruition when she mentioned the cloud business that is doing substantially well and she made reference to their most uh, recent results last week. And then she also mentioned about what they're doing going forward, you know, the artificial intelligence, how Bing chat or rather Bing in particular is taking a bit of market share for, from Google. And I think uh, I've used Bing chat and I think it's really on the strength of the functionality of Bing Chat, which gives you sort of up-to-date prices or relatively more up-to-date prices. I would always check either way. Um, but yeah, I, I got to say, I love the share. I love what they're doing. You know, uh, we had quite a few tech companies report um, last week and, you know, Google and I think Meta and maybe even Tesla were down. Microsoft was not one of those. They were substantially up and you know, even point, the numbers even point to them to sort of eating a bit of al uh, Alphabet's lunch in the AI space. Love the company. I could not agree more with your analyst over there. Uh, let's maybe move on to some of the, the other two, which are a little bit more challenging. Mm -hmm. Definitely don't love those companies as much, mm -hmm. I got to say. Um, so with reference to multi-choice, 
Um, the analyst made reference to um, the share was actually at an all-time low, and I think that also gives you an idea as to some of his thinking. It seems to me that the analyst is feeling that the share, the the fall in share price, and I, I got a note, the share's actually fallen 43% this year. Uh, essentially, the feeling there is that the share price has been slightly overdone. And I think for the reasons that the analyst mentioned, that sort of this is a cash, cash flush business, they've got great presence across the continent, and really I wouldn't say any comparable competitors in terms of scale and scope in the areas that they operate in, um, you know, it, it's a quality business. That is the truth of it, you know. Um, and we are, I would say, well aware of sort of the things that are overhanging on the business. So from that perspective, it could represent a uh, relatively decent entry point to make a little bit of uh, return there. But this is not one that I'd probably be holding or having a view on for the long term, truth be told, I've got to say. Um, but yeah, um, at these levels, perhaps not not a bad punt, I would say. But uh, probably not not one that I'll be undertaking. Uh, and then just yeah. lastly, with with regard to the Anglos, um, and, and I think it's, it's also more of the same with multi-choice in terms of the logic, uh, in that, you know, it's really come off super substantially. And, you know, honestly, broadly speaking across the JSE, things are looking quite attractive. But I, from my perspective, the main over, overhang here is really the Chinese weakness that we're seeing. Um, and I, I will agree that the long-term prospects are there. And I note the analyst comments in relation to the copper and nickel and the move to green energy. But from my perspective, I'd be a little bit nervous about adding at these current levels. I'd probably be looking for a bit of strength, a bit of a catalyst from um, the Chinese. And just actually on that, we had their PMI numbers come mm-hmm. out um, uh, this morning and they were actually a bit softer than expected you know we were hoping for a move in sort of the other direction but we are seeing okay. a bit of softness okay. there so be a bit nervous we don't have much time left and Mohammed, can we quickly get your stock pick Ah, yes. Perfect. So my stock pick this uh, this Tuesday is Visa. Um, I'm sure you guys are well aware, but broadly speaking, what they do is they take a, a small little percentage on all card payments. Um, just on the share, the, the company is actually up 12% year to date, but that has sort of lagged what we're seeing sort of in the AI space. Um, but in terms of the financials, these guys are pretty much as strong as it gets. They've delivered 10 straight beats on revenue expectations and earning per share expectations. And I can't really think of any catalyst that would put too much pressure on the valuations. Just on the valuations, we're currently at a forward PE of about 26 times, which is as low as we were in COVID. If you've not got some, you probably should You should be holding these for the long term. Uh, if you've got small weightings, go ahead and top up. That's what I'll be doing. Thank you. Thank you, Mohamed. Always a pleasure catching up with you. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. That was your Midday Markets update with Mohamed Wagley. He's from Satsfin Wealth.